Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. How we doing? Good. It's uh, good to see you all. Merry Christmas. My name is Ben. Um, glad that you made it, that you braved the roads. I was sliding a little bit on my way in. Um, so, so glad to see a full room of people who are here uh, to celebrate Christmas. We have any excited kids in the room? Maybe one or two. Um, maybe some, some adults who are still kids at heart and just really excited. Uh, I, I love my memories uh, as a child growing up Christmas Eve night. Man, I, our family, we would go to a can- candlelight service. Uh, it was later than this one, and so we would go like after the whole family gathering. And I can just remember sitting on pins and needles, sitting there in that service thinking, would this thing get over already so I can get home and go to bed so it can be Christmas? Um, But uh, I'm just so glad that we have families here worshiping together, kids here uh, in the room tonight. Um, you know, as, as life goes on, our experience of Christmas changes. It's, it's a little different now uh, at, than it was when I was a kid growing up. Uh, but, but for all of us, I think there is this felt uh, experience of hope that Christmas brings. And every single Christmas movie plays on this, right? Um, I mean... If we think about Grinch's heart, right? Grinch's heart is going to be made three times bigger on Christmas Day, right? And, and it's, all of the problems are going to be solved. Um, everybody's finally going to believe that Buddy really is an elf, um, and he's going to be reconciled to his father, and he's going to save Christmas um, at the same time. Scott Calvin is, is going to get out of jail. Scott Calvin, anybody? Any uh, Santa Claus? Um, he's going to get out of jail and get his son back, and his ex-wife and Neil are going to believe in him. Uh, and George Bailey will discover that he really does have a wonderful life after all, and his friends are going to rally to, to bail him out of his predicament. And, and the reason that every single Christmas movie kind of uh, builds up to, like, everything gets better and everything is solved on Christmas, there's a reason for that. Uh, and, and the reason is because Christmas really is about the day when all of our hopes were realized in the coming of Jesus. And, and so we're celebrating that. Those of us who are believers, we celebrate Christmas with that realization. This is really a magical day, not because of Santa, but because this is the day that a Savior came, the Savior that we so desperately needed. And his name is Jesus. Um, all of us have experienced the letdown of the day after Christmas, right? So we get, we get excited, we build it up, we, we, we advent hard, um, if you're like our family, and then Christmas comes and it goes and you wake up the next day and it's like, whew, oh, wow, okay. Um, now we've got to find somewhere to put these toys and um, it's back to real life, right? And 
might get a day or two off, and it's back to your real job with your real problems and your real uh, financial struggles or relationship struggles or marriage struggles or anxiety, whatever it is that you're dealing with, it's back to real life, right? And we've all, we've all experienced that letdown. But t- tonight, what I want to talk to you about is um, something that actually can solve that. You don't actually have to experience that, that letdown um, after Christmas. The reason we experience that is because, because, well, Christmas trees and Christmas cookies and ugly sweaters, parties as fun as they are, and, and Santa Claus and cookies um, and, and chestnuts roasting on an open fire, none of that can actually satisfy the thing that we're looking for, that we're longing for. And um, in a word, what we're looking for and longing for is peace. That's what, what it is that we're all looking for and longing for, joy and, and peace. And um, I want to show you tonight in this just short message um, that, that actually you and I, if you're a Christian, you can experience abiding peace um, through Christmas and through uh, the rest of the year as well. When um, Jesus was raised from the dead and he comes back to, to appear to his disciples. And there's two accounts of that in the Gospel of John. Um, you know what the first words out of his mouth are to his disciples when they're, they're huddled up together, hidden away in a room? His very first words out of his mouth, peace be to you. Now, that's pretty significant. The risen Jesus appearing to his disciples, it's pretty significant. The very first words out of his mouth are peace be to you. I'll never forget, um, I guess this was probably six months ago, eight months ago now, um, the Lord spoke so clearly to me and he said, Ben, you don't think you're an anxious person, but you are an anxious person. And he was right on both fronts. I, I don't think that I'm an anxious person. I don't think of myself that way. I, I, I know an anxious person. That's not me. I mean, I might get stressed. Uh, I might think over things a little bit too much. Um, but I'm not, I'm not like an anxious person. Um, but, but his word to me was so revealing. I, I came away from that, started to see like, no, I am an anxious person. I, I get you know, caught up in thinking about what hasn't happened but might happen, right? And, 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 and I worry about the future. And the reality is everyone here is an anxious person. Let's just get that settled. You might be sitting there like, nah, I'm good, man. I'm actually really good. I'm fine. I don't believe you. I bet you if I could have snuck in your car and watched you drive around just the last four days around this area, I bet you anything you would prove to me that you are actually a stressed out, anxious person, right? Um, and, and we all struggle with this, right? We are all stressed out, anxious people. And we express that differently. We might even talk about it differently, but we all struggle with it. So here's where I'm headed in the next uh, 17 minutes, is we're going to look at one verse that is 
powerful verse together. We're going to break it down and see what uh, we can pull out of it so that you can take away tonight on Christmas Eve um, and for the week ahead. It's Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, and let's read that together. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Very good. So here's my first point that I want um, to bring out of this for you, is that if you are a Christian, you were called to peace. You are called to peace. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called. Um, Perhaps you've thought something like this. Well, I I would have peace if I was in a different season of life, or I would have peace if I had a different job, or I would have peace if I was married to somebody different. Or I would have peace if my kids would go ahead and just move on out. Or I would have peace if I had different fill-in-the-blank or more money or better health or whatever it is. But the verse here says, it makes no qualifiers. It's speaking to every Christian, and it says that peace is what you are called to. Every single one of us, we are called to peace. And, and so that's what I want to help us see and, and help us to understand how we can experience that. And what I'm talking about here, I mean, peace, it can refer to an absence of conflict between parties, but that's not what we're talking about here tonight. We're actually talking about the experience of peace, a very real experience. And did you notice what it says? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. In your heart, this is, this is at an emotional level, at an experiential level. It's, it's certainly more than that, but it's not less than that, right? If this is a peace that rules in your heart. And so this is what we're called to. We're called to the same kind of peace that Jesus experienced. If you're familiar with the Gospels, I want you to picture uh, Jesus asleep. This morning in my, in my quiet time, I was reading about Jesus sleeping in the boat when, he, when the disciples are trying to row across the Sea of Galilee, and there's such a storm that water's coming in to the boat, and Jesus is asleep. And his disciples are like, are you kidding me? Jesus, wake up. Do you not even care that we're dying? And he's like, why are you guys so afraid? And where is your faith? And then he says, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves, stop. Some of y'all wish you could have done that yesterday. I know, I know I did. Um, He says, Peace be still. This is the kind, this is the way Jesus carried himself in this life. He didn't avoid the storm. Like he he went through the storm, but in the middle of the storm, he had peace. And that's the kind of peace that he offers to you, to all of us. Here's what he says to his disciples on the night that he was arrested and falsely accused. He said he in the last supper with them in John 14, 27, he says to them, Peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Now, I think he could have meant many things by that statement, not as the world gives do I give to you. But at least one of the things that I know that I believe that he meant was he didn't mean that he was going to make their lives free of all uh, trial, right? Because that very night, these disciples were going to go through their toughest trial ever, right? So when he says, not as the world gives, do I give to you? He's saying, I'm, I'm offering you my peace, which is a peace that can actually sustain you through trials. It actually can, can weather the storms. That's the kind of peace Jesus is offering to his disciples. And he looks them in the eye that night around that table and he says, peace I give to you. And I think he would look every single one of his followers in the eye tonight and say the very same thing. Whatever you're facing, whatever's going on in your family, whatever's going on in your personal life, in your marriage, in your workplace, with your kids, I don't know what it is that's, that you're dealing with this Christmas, but I think his message to every single one of you is this. Peace be with you. He's saying, I want to give you my peace. So that's the first thing I want us to see. You and I, every single Christian, we're called to this. We're called to the peace that Jesus had. The second thing I want us to see is in that little word, let. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ rule. Notice that it doesn't say make the peace of Christ rule in your heart, but let it. In, in order to experience the, the peace that Christ is offering to each one of us, we have to stop resisting it. We need to allow his peace to take control of our hearts. Why does it say that? Um, well, I think very simply the reason is because we do resist it. And you might not know that you resist it. We don't necessarily do that consciously, but here's the reality. Every sin has a measure of pleasure in it. That's why sin uh, is so hard to stop doing, right? Including this. We don't want to let his peace flood our hearts because if that means letting go and trusting him. Um, we resist the peace of Christ and we choose worry because that makes us feel some measure of control, right? If I'm thinking hard about what might happen, maybe I can do something about it, and, and so I feel that, that that helps me. So I don't let his peace flood in. I resist the peace of Christ and I grumble because it makes me feel justified in my lack of peace, right? And that's pleasurable to my flesh. So I'm resisting. But the Holy Spirit in this passage commands us, stop resisting what you've been called to. Let the peace of Christ flood your heart. Stop resisting with worry or grumbling 
and let Jesus' peace take control of your emotions. He speaks similarly about how we combat fear and anxiety in that same um, passage in John 14 where he's with his disciples at the Last Supper. He says in 14.1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So we're not to be passive in all of this, right? The moment that we begin to feel fear and worry and anxiety coming into our hearts, we're to do something about it. We're to stop. We're to resist that and not resist his peace coming in. He says, um, believe in God, believe also in me. So, so when I begin to experience that a lack of peace, then what I need to do immediately is trust him. That's what I struggle to do. I don't know about you, but that's what I struggle to do when I am anxious. I'm struggling to believe that, yes, he's good. Yes, he's in control. Yes, he's got this. And I can rest in that. And so he tells us not to be passive about it. Let not your hearts be troubled. So we're to let the peace of Christ rule. And then... The next thing I want to look at, the third thing I want to look at is we need to let, it's the peace of Christ that we need to let rule. It's the peace of Christ. So how is it that, that we could possibly be the kind of people that could have peace regardless of our circumstances? How in the world, regardless of what the news says the next morning, or regardless of what the doctor tells us at the next appointment, or regardless of what happens with our child, or regardless of what happens tonight, regardless, how can we let this peace rule? Well, it's because it doesn't originate with us. It is the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts. It comes from another source, you see. I remember when these e-bikes started showing up everywhere. Have you guys seen these things, these e-bikes? The first time I saw one, um, before I knew what they were, I was, I was driving up this hill, and I saw this guy who I, my jaw just dropped. I mean, he was relaxed as he could be, pedaling like this, and I mean, flying up this hill. And I'm not trying to be judgy, but this guy did not look like Lance Armstrong. Um, and so I was just like, this guy is amazing. I don't know how anybody could so effortlessly fly uphill on a bike like that until I realized he was cheating, right? <laughs> Hit the drive chain on his bike was connected to a power source that I couldn't see. You see, and I don't know if you know this believer, but the Bible says that if you are in Christ, that Christ lives in you. He is the one that, that empowers your life, not you. You are connected to a power source that nobody can see. And it's not cheating, actually. It's not cheating. You, you, you have access to Him, to all of His power to all of his wisdom, to all of his emotions, and to his peace. And so it's his peace that we're commanded to let in, to let rule in our lives. 
That's why he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. That's why he says it that way to the disciples. And he says, it says in our verse that we're to let his peace rule. Um, that, that word in the original language, it's to govern, to control. You're, in other words, Christ's peace is to be your dominant governing emotion. So it's not the only emotion that you're going to feel, right? But it's the dominant governing experience of your life. It is an abiding peace. That's, at least that is what's been made available to us. Now, whether or not we're experiencing that is another thing altogether. But that's what's available. It's to rule in our hearts regardless of the circumstances around us. Lastly, I want to look at the fourth thing here. The the verse ends with, and be thankful. Um, Why does he end with that little statement, and be thankful? The reason is because peace and gratitude go together. They abide together. If you have a peace problem, check and see if you have a gratitude problem. Most likely you do. Most likely, if you're not experiencing peace in your life, you, you may be avoiding gratitude. You may be forgetting to thank God for all of the blessings in your life. Gratitude, thanking God, corrects your perspective. Here's the way I like to think about gratitude, and it's a little cheesy, but it helps me. Gratitude is like windshield wipers. So you go through your day, right? And somebody cuts you off and yells at you and honks at you, and you didn't even do anything wrong. But all of a sudden, you start to feel like this day is the worst, right? And then you get to work, and somebody stole your stapler or um, didn't send the email they were supposed to or whatever it is, right? And, and, and you go through the day, and one thing after another, little things, but they all add up. And by the end of the day, you are just frustrated and sick of life, right? What, what you need is you need the gunk of the day wiped off of your perspective. You need a clear perspective again. And, and nothing does that like gratitude. For me, when I start losing my perspective, I start saying, God, thank you so much for my family. Thank you so much for life today that I've got breath in my lungs. Thank you. Thank you. And I just start looking around and thanking God for the birds that I see or the clouds or whatever it is that I, anything, everything. You know what ends up happening is those, that, that gratitude, it's like cleans the windshield of my day. And all of a sudden I start seeing clearly again. And when that happens, peace floods into my heart. Here's the way that Paul writes about it in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, prayers that are infused with thanksgiving leads to peace from God. 
that surpasses understanding, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't, the world looks on and says, I don't know how, I have no idea how he or she can, can have so much peace in this workplace or in this time of this, the year or in this uh, economic season or whatever, right? I don't know how they can have so much peace, but you do, it surpasses understanding. So I want to ask you, have you been thanking God for the many blessings in your life? Have you been thanking Him for the blessings all around you? And in closing, I, you know, tonight I've, I've mostly been talking about an experience of peace that is available to those who know Jesus because Jesus is inside of Christians, empowering that peace. It's His peace that's available to us. And, and I wanted to, to give believers in the room just a, a hope and excitement that there is a peace that you might not be experiencing, but that is available to you. But maybe you're here tonight, and I don't know why you came. Maybe somebody drug you here. You know, maybe you're here because it's Christmas Eve, and that's what you do. And that's, that's fine. I'm so glad that you're here genuinely, because here's what I believe. I don't believe that anybody's just here because, you know, somebody brought them or invited them or it's Christmas Eve. I think God has each and every person here tonight that he wanted. I don't believe in accidents or coincidences. I believe that God has every single person here tonight that's here so that you could hear this. And here's what I want to say to you. Before you can experience peace, horizontally, you need, you need peace vertically. There is a peace that Christians have with God because of Jesus Christ that we must first, you must first experience that peace with God before you can experience peace in your heart ruling and reigning. Here's what Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What this is saying is that because of sin, there's a dividing wall of hostility between us and God, and actually between us and other people as well. There's this dividing wall. There's a separation because of our sin between us and a holy God. But Jesus has broken that dividing wall down in his flesh when he offered himself up, when he offered his body up at Calvary on the cross. What he was doing was he was making an offering for our sin. He was making a way, taking our place, taking our sins upon himself, paying the penalty for them. So that anyone who would turn from their sins, repent of their sins, turn from their sins, and believe in Jesus, believe the good news about Jesus, that he died in our place, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead on the third day. If you will believe that, then guess what happens? The dividing wall of hostility between you and God is broken down, and there is peace. Your sins are forgiven. Your debt is cleared. You start with a clean slate, you become a new person. That's the peace with God that is offered to every one of us. And when we experience that, then and only then will Christ come in and His peace can rule in your hearts. 
And so I hope tonight, I hope this Christmas, you will turn to him and believe in him and receive the peace that he offers you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that not only do you offer to um, your brothers and sisters the abiding peace that can rule in our hearts, but Lord, you, you offered up your body in order to grant us peace with God uh, so that our sins could be forgiven. And Lord, we worship you tonight for that. I pray that many would be drawn to you, drawn to this good news, and believe in your name and be saved. I pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.